This is Colin. Um, uh, as uh, some of you are aware, Colin and I go way back. Um, yeah. he, he knew me when I had long hair. Yeah. Which, yeah, okay. Right on. I'm just going to pray for him. Father God, I want to thank you for this awesome man. I want to thank you for the incredible blessing that he was to us when he was last here uh, and to us as a leadership team when he spoke into our lives and as he will be to us today and to the pastors who will meet with him afterwards. I thank you, Father, for the longevity of his ministry that has gone over many, many, many years but also continues to be impacting across this state of Queensland. Ask, Lord God, that again you would fill him with your Holy Spirit. Enable him, Lord God, to be your mouthpiece here in this place today. In your name. Amen. And God's people said? Amen. Could I have that that, uh, stand over there? Hey, good evening. I'm an afternoon, evening, morning. I'm a little confused. Um, All right, since looking at that photo, I've got one that's actually quite similar um, from my grandfather. One of my grandfathers was... uh, there were medical reasons why he couldn't serve, and the other one, um, he 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 served in the uh, in the Battle of the Somme and numerous others. He got shot four times, and the the reason why I think I'm here is because the the government had a quirky rule. It was the he was a UK citizen, and the government had a quirky rule that if he got shot three times, you got sent back to the front. But if you got shot four times, you went home. <laughs> I'm not sure what the significance of the numbers was, but he got sent home. So that's probably why I'm here, really. He, um, you know, when you tell the story of um, a, a, a person, you, you realise what they go through. You know, my, um, as I said, that grandfather, he was born into a family where dad was a violent drunk and then he got marvellously saved and so he had to adjust to an entirely different family that he'd always been a part of. I'm not sure we understand that so well. But in the adjusting of it, he found his own faith, a quiet, strong, determined faith that caused him all his life to share the good news about Jesus And then he went to the war. And then straight after the war, he came back and the Spanish flu hit. And he saw two sisters and one brother die. And then, because he couldn't get work, he took the risk to leave everything he'd known and come to Australia. He never saw his father and mother again. And then only a few years after he got here, the depression hit. Only two years after the depression hit, his wife died, leaving him with eight children. A few years after that, the Second World War hit. You'd have to wonder at some point where you might think, where is the Lord? And yet my grandfather decided early on in his life when he saw the transformation of his father from a violent, angry man to a man of peace and he never lost his faith and my mother told me as I was growing up how he would always be adjuring her to trust the Lord no matter what happens 
trust the Lord. And uh, he certainly is an interesting story. And I think we honour people when we remember their story, don't we? We honour them, we remember them. Do you know, I was racking my mind about the youngest, Anzac, and I was not coming up with the name Martin. So I was, wow, what is this going to be? Goodness. That's quite a story, isn't it? We honour his story, we honour him. It's that I want to talk about today, honouring. Um, it's a big issue and uh, one that I think we may be able to um, be used to become a point of difference in this country. I, I don't know how you, how you feel, but all the research is telling us now that the number of people who are close enough to church to be called active is somewhere between 7 to 10% of Australians. Right? So that's... That's about maybe, a, you know, a few million, right? Another one in three, so that's about eight million, will have a memory of faith. Do you know someone now who has a memory of faith? Yeah. They used to be in church or they grew up in the Sunday school or, right? They have a memory of faith. One in three. That's quite an extraordinary number, isn't it? If we even got half good at re-establishing the link with that one in three, eight million people coming into the church would, um, well, that would change things, wouldn't it? And then, outside of that, probably about 15 million Australians, they don't even look in our direction. They're not even... that. If they've got problems, they're not looking in our direction to get a solution. That's interesting, isn't it? It tells us that Australia has changed dramatically in the last generation. Even if you look at the census, you realise that the number of people putting on the census form no religion has actually skyrocketed over the last three censuses. Tells us something is happening in our country, isn't it? Interestingly, McCrindle confirms, who's a researcher, a social researcher, he confirms that while the institutions of our country are actually viewed with some suspicion, yet Jesus remains a remarkably attractive idea to people. That's an interesting thing too, isn't it? But when you look at the church, you, you say, well, we're a funny bunch, aren't we? I mean, come on, we're here, nobody's... Oh, hang on, some people online. How, how confident are we that we're not being spied on, brother? Well, I think we could all admit we're a little bit unusual, aren't we? Come on, Christians, we're slightly unusual, don't you think? Yeah. Just slightly, just a little bit. We do weird things. Yeah. We do weird things. We have a funny language. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Help me out here. You know it's true, right? We have a funny language. We have funny ideas and we, you know, when you look, come on now, I've got grey hair so I'm allowed to say it. We're getting old in this thing, yeah? We have, and yet we have, an incredibly important story to tell. 
we have a story which is so significant. And then you, and you meet people. So I tell you another story just before I get started on my message, which is Exodus 20, by the way, so you can turn that up. Um, I met a young man called Simon on Friday. Simon was, uh, his father is an Iranian Muslim. His mother uh, was, now she's gone to be with the Lord, she was an English Catholic. So you can tell that's going to be an interesting mix, and it was. Simon's story is of alcoholism, homelessness, violence, and depression. And then Jesus found him. It's a great story. Every time you hear, don't you hear, when you hear a story like that, you go, ooh, this is good stuff. Whatever Jesus is capable of doing, whew, he is good at it. And good things happen. And, and this young man who has spent the majority of his life having stuffed up two marriages, having stuffed up the raising of three children, having stuffed up his life, having caused difficulty, been in and out of jail, suddenly you, you look at a picture. I've got a picture of him before and I've got a picture of him after. And you can see the physiological change when the Holy Ghost comes. It actually changes his face. You can still tell it's him, but he looks like he's alive on the inside. And this is a, 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 a this young man, by the way, he's at Bible college. And he tells me why. He says, I've wasted enough time. I want to do something. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Why don't you become a doctor and heal bodies or, or, or something like that? He said, no. He said, the news that I heard from, about Jesus and what he could do is the best thing you will ever find in this world and I want to be telling it everywhere I go. So he's in a church planting team. Just a young man. And the beauty of it is that you see the renewal of his family. I saw a picture of him with his son, one of his sons. Even Jesus can undo years of abuse in your family. It's a remarkable thing, don't you think? Well, I thought it was remarkable, and I'm telling you this, I guess, because when you, you realise the, what is happening in these stories you realize that one of the points of difference that will be so helpful to us in this country is that we become a people, we be like a developing in our churches, a culture of honor. And this is, you've got to admit, we're struggling with that, aren't we, here as a country? But you think about the way we talk about our politicians. And, and look, sometimes I guess they deserve it, but... But isn't there, a, isn't there a lack of honour in the way we speak to one another, to someone in authority, to police, to et cetera, et cetera? We had bad experiences and, we, and out of our bad experience comes a dishonouring. And I think one of the things that will be a point of difference for us as the church in this country is if we make this place to be a place of honouring that when people come into it, they begin to experience what it's like to be treated like they are made in the image of God, like they are worthy of honour, simply because of that. Why, that 
meant so much to God that he sent his only beloved and begotten son that whoever believed in him could have eternal life. That was only for people who were made in the image of God. Mercifully, that's all of us, right? In Exodus chapter 20, you have a very important scripture. Exodus chapter 20, and all of you know, you know, this is the Ten Commandments passage, right? First time it appears in the Bible. And you come up to that question of honouring, which is invested into the way Israel is to live. And it is to begin like this. Honour your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. It's quite quite a promise there, isn't it? There's a call to obedience, a call to honouring, but this one adds a promise. If you manage to live with honour towards your parents, you will do well. You will go, you will live long in the land and be blessed. It's an interesting thing. No other commandment carries such promise. No other commandment keeps popping up either. Deuteronomy 5.16 is a restatement. Leviticus 19.3 is another one. And then when you get to the New Testament, it's in Matthew 15, Mark 7, Luke 18, and then Ephesians 6.2. It comes right through. And then I've heard, because I've been around long enough, I've heard all the reasons why you shouldn't honour parents. I've heard all the reasons why. And you think God didn't know that there would be bad parents out there when he wrote this? You think he didn't know there'd be problems with this? We don't honour our parents because they do the right thing. We honour our parents because the culture of honour is essential in human society. And when you lose it at that level, you can lose it everywhere. That's a big problem. If you lose that when you go to your workplace and when the boss is not looking, you dishonour him by doing what you want, taking what you want, offering less than you should. And it all begins when you learn to dishonour your father and mother. The culture of honour could transform our country. We tell stories like the one our brother shared about James Martin, about his own grandfather, about my own grandfather, because we honour them and who they are. We are not saying they are perfect. We are not saying they do everything right. But friends, you don't do everything right. Neither do I. So there is a challenge there for us to realise that honour is not given because someone earns it. Honour is given because God calls for it. And when it comes into churches, it is so transforming. We don't criticise one another. We don't gossip about one another. We don't tear down one another. We don't speak ill of one another. We are 
constantly amazed at them and grateful for them and speak into their lives. And we, we lift them up constantly because we are so aware of their value because they carry a value simply because they're made in the image of God. A culture of honour has a lot to do, has a lot to do with the health of a human society. Now, I don't know about you, but I've only ever been betrayed by Christians. So I'm not sure how it goes when non-Christians betray you. You may have some special information for me at the break about that. I'm sure it happens. But I've only, because I've been a pastor for 43 years, I guess it's an occupational hazard. I have been called things that I, oh, I've never even heard of. And then I've got to realise it's easy for me to fall into that and do that to somebody else. And immediately we do this, we break that culture of honour which God calls for. Right through the Bible, the honouring of your parents becomes the foundation for how we react to everyone else. I you, we, we want to create something in the body of Christ which is a point of difference in this country so that Australians will look at who we are and say, look, I'm not sure I understand what they believe. I'm not sure I understand what they stand for. But I like the way they live. And so we learn a culture of honour and it helps us change our country. And I don't care what you think. Well, perhaps I should care, having said about, talked about honour. But friends, if you understand me, we could plant 10,000 churches in this country over the next 12 months and not change the country because the, the weight will just shift. We've got to do more than that. Our job is not just to sit in church and satisfy ourselves that we've done our religious duty. Our job is to change the country because that's what God's doing right now. I met an example of his work just yesterday and he's only been on the journey two years. Now, when God begins to change the country, you know he does it once, one person at a time, don't you? And so we, we develop here, I believe, if we develop here a, a culture of honour, we, the, the, we have the capacity, I believe, long-term to change our country because we build a culture where a human being is honoured. And I've got to tell you, we're going to have some challenges in that area. We're going to have some big challenges in that area. We're going to have to understand and learn to honour someone who claims that while they were born as a woman, they are now seeing themselves as a man, and yet they seek Christ. How will we go with that? There will be a big challenge, won't it? 40, 45 years ago, it was unlikely that any man or woman who was homosexual to ever breathe a word of that to Christians. Why? For fear that they would be ostracised, rejected and evicted. 
Oh, it's not straightforward, is it? It's not straightforward. We've got a whole bunch of issues and it's hard to learn how to deal with these things, how to be, how to create a culture of honour in a place like this that actually allows Australians to come and heal and find truth in Jesus, not in the church, not in us, not in the way we see things, but in Jesus himself. Oh, there's a challenge before us, isn't there? You know, I remember saying to, saying to my church, I was the Salvation Army officer for a while, and uh, I remember saying to the, the group of people, well, the election is next week. I urge you to be praying, right? So I did this little thing about praying, earnestly seeking the Lord and, and, and following your conviction to, you know, put your vote in. Well, I had a guy who was probably about 85 come up to me afterwards. And you've got to understand, right? You've got to understand I was 32 and I knew everything. <laughs> Hello? Is there any echoes in the house? Hallelujah. Yes. We do know everything at 32, don't we? You know, I vaguely remember that. Ever since then, I've become aware of what I don't know. But anyway, I was so confident. Anyway, this 85-year-old guy walks past me and says, any, any Christian who votes Labor is obviously not a Christian. And he kept walking. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's just wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We, we, um, we have a struggle with, with honouring because we are so different. We, we have such different journeys. But the call to honour, which God instituted so long ago, gives every person who follows Jesus the basis for a whole life and the basis for an influence on their countrymen. I dream of a day when Australians will not be in church but in Christ. I don't want to see people come to church. I want to see them come to Christ. I don't want to see their bums on a seat every Sunday morning. I want to see them in my Lord Jesus Christ. And so a culture of honour, I believe, is going to help us because it will make Australians look at us again. A culture of honour. Unfortunately... I got the scars from Christians who've betrayed me. And so I've had to learn that in a culture of honour, we never breathe anything negative or harmful towards them. We release them and we seek their blessing. We never take offence. We always seek to bless that's what happens in a culture of honour. Such an important thing, friends. Such an important thing. When you translate honour, you're translating an old Hebrew word, kabod. And um, this is a word that could mean honour, but also glory. So if you're reading your Bible, you'll often find the glory of the Lord the glory of the Lord, the honour of the Lord. It's the same word, chabod. And it, it is translated differently depending on its context. Chabod, a presence, a heavy sense of something. It's an interesting word 
And uh, one of the most interesting things about it is that um, as broken as we are, God's intent was to demonstrate in each human being who knew him by his kabod, by his weighty significance in our lives, to begin to capture a culture that would incorporate and bless and inspire and lead to life for every man and woman, boy and girl. It was pictured in the old Hebrew, the Paleo-Hebrew, in three ways, three symbols. Now, these, these weren't letters, these were symbols. One of them was that, that the symbol of a palm, the palm of a hand. The other one was this, a house, a home. And the other was a, 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 like it looks like a half-open door, a half-open, like a tent flap. And those three little symbols were used to describe the word kabod. So that when we talk about honour, we are talking about the greeting, the welcoming, the bringing in. All right? And so when we honour one another, we begin to invest ourselves in another's life and allow them to invest themselves in us. And when we, we seek um, by that palm, you know, the, the open palm, the, the grace, the blessing on somebody's life, we seek for it. We want for them, we draw them in so that they lack nothing. We, we bring them they bring them into our lives. They bring us into their lives. And the intent is a culture that fits every human being. We are tearing ourselves apart as human societies. We have become so used to war that we hardly even notice it. We have become used to loss. We have become used to death. In this country, we have become so used to domestic violence, it's hardly a blip. And yet, if you talk to any lawyer, he will tell you, she will tell you, that there are more and more and more cases of domestic violence and divorce in this country than we have ever seen. We are tearing ourselves apart. And the one thing we could do, and beginning here at this church, is build a culture of honour, where we learn to honour one another. I don't get where you're coming from, but I honour you. I will not speak against you because I honour you. Does that make sense? And we live a different culture. If you stick your head up above the parapet in Australia, you're going to get blasted. You put something on social media that you are convicted about, you are going to get somebody calling you for everything. And sometimes it's going to be your own brothers and sisters in Christ. You stick your head above the parapet. Social media is a mixed blessing in my view. I mean, I've, I actually don't have a, a Facebook account. I have an artist's account, which is a dream. <laughs> but I've looked on Facebook. I think people overshare. 
Have you ever seen someone overshare on Facebook? No wonder young people are going, oh, stuff this, I'm not going on Facebook. I don't know where young people are going. Instagram, perhaps? Yeah? What is that? Snapchat. That was the one I was trying to remember. This guy's a, he's a legend, isn't he, this guy? Um, that's, you're going two for two. Huh? That's pretty good, man. Um, yeah, Snapchat. Isn't that great? Or the other one, TikTok. Now, even on TikTok, people share too much. Or Twitter. Or Twitter, that's right. Or Snapchat. Or, where do they come up with the names for these things? You know, I've got a feeling you get a whole bunch of people in a room and they're all smoking something they shouldn't smoke. And they just... <laughs> And yet, friends, isn't it so that sometimes, and particularly we've seen this in the last two years, people with differing convictions, boy, we tear at one another. And sometimes we, we find ourselves, no matter what your position is, we're trying to, we're trying to fathom things that are so, quite difficult to fathom, aren't we? And it's not straightforward. And so a culture of honour becomes the building block to make the church become something that will cause Australians to take a second look and say, oh boy, I don't understand some of their beliefs, but I do love the way they live. And this culture of honour that was established here in Exodus 20 becomes the basis for, for actually bringing each other into the fullness of life. And where we, a culture of honour means, as I've mentioned before, that Christians do not take offence. We don't do it. Someone may speak to us in a way that we don't like. But in the church, if there's a culture of honour, we don't take offence. That's all there is to it. We don't do it. We don't do it. And when somebody is in difficulty, we do not gossip. We do not. It's not, it's not a kind of, oh, well, it's an option and we only do it for prayer. It, we do not do it. Do, do you see where I'm going with this? We don't gossip. In a culture of honour, you don't gossip because they are yours. They are one with Christ and with you. Remember? Together we are seated with him in heavenly realms. How can I tear at someone who is seated with me in heavenly realms in Christ? How can I gossip against them? And yet we do. How can I tear at them? And yet we do. How can I criticise them or take offence when they do the wrong thing? Oh, we've got a lot to learn here. But you can see why Australians would look at us twice if we never took offence. What happens if in this church we never take offence? We just don't do it. We find another way. We pray and bless and inspire one another. You know, every time you, you have a significant experience with Jesus, have you ever noticed this? Have an experience with Jesus and he teaches you something wonderful and you just feel like you love the whole world. And then Jesus puts you with someone who drives you crazy. 
and makes your blood boil. Have you ever had that experience? Uh, come on. I'm glad for the few of us who were honest to say, yeah, I've had that experience. The rest of you, um, <clears throat> you must be real Baptists that keep everything on the inside. You know, we, we have... We have, understandably, we have ways in which we seek the Lord. We have ways in which we understand him. But then someone sitting right next to us can have a conviction about something that makes our blood boil. How shall we handle that? Well, we will actually tell them off. We'll give them the benefit of our instruction and our understanding. We'll sort their theology out. We'll straighten them up. We'll help them. Right? Or what if they believe something <clears throat> about politics that you don't believe? Well, obviously they're wrong. <laughs> obviously, yeah. <laughs> Friends, we have to do more, much more because we are in Christ. If we are no different on the questions of human relations to those who don't know Christ, then we are under his judgment. If you understand me, friends, we are in Christ, placed there by God himself as a result of our putting our faith in Christ. Oh, friends, we've got to do more, much more. In in the body of Christ should be the pattern for the rest of the country. The country should look at the way the body of Christ manages itself and say, that's how it's done. And yet we live the same way as anybody else. Our divorce rates are exactly the same. Our struggle with pornography is exactly the same. We're no different. We have not yet created a culture of honour And when God says in Exodus 20, verse 12, honour your father and mother and it will go well with you in the land, there's a reason why the culture of honour carries a promise. If we obey God in this and do what he says in this, in our lives, we are likely to see a transformation because honour, believe it or not, blesses. It brings wholeness. It brings hope. The AMP, the translation, the one that extends it out, which is regard, treat with honour, due obedience and courtesy, your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land the Lord your God gives you. And we have a call here that begins in Exodus, the second book of the Bible, and goes all the way through, is one of the few things that God resonates again and again and again and again. He is not not doing that idly. He has good reason for that. And we don't mind a culture of honour like we would probably rewrite some of the scriptures. Yes, Lord, we honour you, of course. goes without saying, we honour the Lord, right? Uh, That scripture in uh, 1 Timothy 6, to him be honour and eternal dominion. Yes, tick from all of us. Hallelujah. Boom. Yes. I honour God. Yes. Honour the Lord. Yes. 
We all tick that one, right? Yes, that's good. That's one. Hallelujah. And we honor the Lord Jesus. Oh, that's another tick as well. We're on a roll now. And we honor our parents where they do the right thing towards us. And we honor our teachers where they do the right thing to us. And we honor our parents when they tell us the things we would like to do. Come here, I'll give you this, you know, PlayStation 4 or something. Oh, thank you. I honor you, Mum. You are the greatest parent ever. But, of course, the same mother may also say, clean up your room. Well, now this is time to dishonor you. Uh, we're a funny bunch, aren't we? We pick and choose what we honour. But a culture of honour has a genuine, a genuine ability to shift human society because I think most Australians know we're in trouble. What's the answer? Is it, is it someone standing here denouncing them? Is that the way we're going to win them? Well, sometimes we're going to have to speak truth to power There's no doubt about that. We're going to have to work out a way to do that, aren't we? We're going to need to do that like a prophetic people. But friends, sometimes, and I've seen this in my ministry life, it's much easier to bring a word of challenge to someone who knows you love them. My great fear is that we as a church, we really don't love our fellow man, our countrymen. We don't really love them. And yet that's what we're called to do. Some of them are awkward coots, aren't they? Yes, some of them are awkward. They've got habits that I don't like. They do things I don't like. They stand for things I don't believe in. There's a whole heap of reasons why, correct? Why we... We just can't be bothered. And yet God calls us into this culture of honour because at the root of it, we can say all we like about love, but it's when people see it that they begin to wonder whether we are right about everything else. One final thing. Do you remember that scripture? Because all of these scriptures on honour lead all the way through to one of the most perplexing verses in the Bible in Ephesians 5.21. Who can remember that? Who knows what that one is? Ephesians 5. Don't look it up. Don't cheat. Don't put it in your phone. Try and do it without it. I'll make sure you get one of those Easter eggs that Randall said was up there. Do you remember? It's before, it's before that verse where, where Paul writes that women should submit to their husbands. Ooh, now we're on fun ground, aren't we? Yes. Well, before that one is a really problematic verse. Do you remember it? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's the verse that gets teased out over the next verses about man to woman, woman to man, children to parents. 
And yet so often we run to that sort of thing in the rules. Here, you should be, you should be honoring me. I used to think that I could pull that off with my wife. You know, when you're first married... Sorry, what was that? I said it work. No, it doesn't work. I can testify to that. If you're a young man and you're thinking about getting married, please be careful with that one. <laughs> that, one's a, that one's a challenging one. But here's this idea. When you, you see this is the big issue, at the front end of the Bible it says, honour your father and mother. That's a culture of honour that begins to trickle down from family to tribe, to nation, to the world. And now in the church, Paul rewrites that and says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And you never really realise how to do the male-female in marriage relationship or the female-male or the child-parent, the parent-child. You never really understand them until you're in submission to everybody else around you out of reverence for Christ. In this, we, so we want to do several things to build a culture of honour. First of all, we want to see everyone prosper. We want to see everyone flourish. We don't want anyone to miss out. And when they are struggling, that becomes our struggle and we share it in prayer and we bring them before the Lord and we do whatever we can to stand by them. And when they go through pain, we are going through it with them. And when they stand for something that makes our blood boil, we still love them and ask the Lord to bless them and we'll never, ever, ever speak a word against them. Yeah, we need a culture of honour. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ is, I think, a rewrite that brings it right down to how it's to be in the body of Christ. I have so much more to say on this. You can imagine, that's true, but uh, <clears throat> I just want us to come before the Lord and uh, to, to spend some time in prayer. Now, I just want to say uh, to you, you are very gracious to have me. Well, actually, I guess you didn't have a choice, did you? I, I just realised that, so I apologise. But, uh, uh, um, but I do honour my brother, Donnie, who uh, gave me the invitation. And my brother, I, I'm grateful for your trust. And I honour you in the name of the Lord. Um, let me pray for us and uh, as a church. Huh? Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognise that in this day, all of us, all of us need to learn again how to honour one another as we honour you, as we seek you. We, we want to seek out the welfare of others as we love you and look into your will. We, we, we want to actually understand the life of those men and women, boys and girls around us. And we want to truly treat them as, <coughs> as, as seated with us, not, not, not lesser, but seated with us, part of our in crowd, as it were. Oh, God, I pray you start something here that will be profound and liberating in the name of Jesus for Australia. I pray that something begins here 
that will change the suburbs and the coast. I pray for something that will start here in a culture of honour that will seep out into businesses, into the hospitals, into the, the doctor's surgeries, uh, into the shops, into the workplaces, into the schools, into the university. I pray, Lord, that something seeps out from here, from a culture of honouring and love, seeks and seeps out so that we may love and honour all those around us. And I pray for this church that she will become what you have called her to be in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, just before I hand over, um, I'm always a a little bit um, careful, you will understand, when I prophesy over people. Um, You will understand that I I am nervous on several levels. Um, For example, if you've never seen this happen, you're not sure, now the guy's gone crazy. Um, Or... Um, you don't think that kind of thing happens or because you haven't seen it, you doubt it. But there are some who have already, I have already prayed over and I think, uh, where are they, those folks? Um, Oh yeah, there they are. And uh, also, oh yeah, that's right, I prayed over you after. And so there are a few I would like to pray for. Now, you are under no obligation to do this, uh, right? If you would rather not, just go, and that's fine, all right? I'm not going to uh, insist upon anything. Um, there's no need for pressure, none of that. You could see me later if you'd, if you'd rather. You should also know that if I've got any doubts, I never share anything publicly. I'll just see you afterwards, okay? So, Donnie, with your blessing, my brother, I'm just going to pray over a few folks, and the first one is this young lady here. In the white top. What's your name, my dear? Ragnall. Ragnall. What a lovely name. You have nice names here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, God bless you, my dear. Now, I want to pray for you. Is that okay? Okay. Give me a hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, we commend to you this precious sister Ragnall. We thank you for her. We thank you for the grace that is upon her. We thank you, Lord for what you're doing in her life and we bless her. We bless her in the name of Jesus. Amen? Yeah, we seek her favour and we seek her grace, a grace, a greater grace, a a more precious blessing in the name of Jesus. And we ask for this in Jesus' name. Now, here's what the Lord said to me in the middle of my sermon and I got distracted because of it. I hate it when he does that, but I ask him not to, but he keeps doing it, so... (laughs) It, this is where I am. All right. Um, you have a gift on your life which is a tremendous ability to draw people in. You, you do it everywhere. You've done it since you were a little girl. You just have that ability to get people and draw them in. And the Lord said to tell you, this is something he invested in you when you were still in your mother's womb. He invested this into your life for the purpose of drawing broken-hearted people and helping them find hope. You don't realise, he told me that there are two people, two women 
that you've influenced in recent years particularly whose lives have been changed and they've not seen you since. And so the influence over them has been minimal. But the Lord said to tell you, you did what I wanted, even though you might not have understood it. So the Lord bless you, Ray. Thank you for what you've done. And continue, I pray, to be obedient in the name of Jesus. Amen. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing that in the case of this young lady, she has been influencing people for a long time without realising it. And that's true of a lot of people, right? You, you have a greater influence than you realise. And uh, so it's, sometimes it's useful to have the affirmation of the Holy Spirit on your life to help you with that. Uh, so, yeah, so I just encourage you, my dear. God bless you. Now, uh, over here, there's a young man I'd like to pray for. He can say, no, my brother. Yes, you here. No, not you here. Him here. Black shirt. What's your first name? Craig, would you be happy for me to pray for you? Okay. This is Craig. Everyone, do you know Craig? Say hello, Craig. Yeah. All right. He's a good-looking young man. Well done. Well, I'm complimenting the parents, right? Being good-looking is a blessing, isn't it? Isn't it? I wasn't blessed with that, but, you know, that's, that's okay. Hopefully. Is it Okay. Well, everybody's a little bit nervous now, aren't they? So, remind me of your name. Craig. Craig. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring Craig to you and I thank you for him. Thank you for the heart that's on his, that your heart for him is so big, so broad, so wide. And thank you, Lord, for the work of the Holy Spirit in his heart. And I I thank you, Lord, for already for the direction that he he could go in. And and I thank you, Jesus, for, for, for the grace that's been working in him and I just commend him to you in the name of Jesus. Now Craig, here's what the Lord said. In our country we're overmanaged and underled. And so the Lord is calling you to lead. And leaders are going to find they stick their heads up and they get pummeled. Don't get put off. The Lord says, I will put in you a backbone of steel that will help you to stand firm. There are convictions already in you which are very strong. You don't say much because you don't feel you can, but you have deep convictions about things, not just about Christian things. I'm talking about lots of things, the way people act, the way people do work, do business. You have lots of convictions and more and more are developing all the time, right? So that is the Lord giving you this backbone of steel. And the Lord says, stand for me, lead for me. I'm, I'm looking, leaders are needed in Australia that will actually lead others into that culture of honour, who, who, who will be prepared to suffer anything for the leading people into something better. And, and I believe the Lord is calling a, a generation of people your age to help us as a country become a better place to live in. And so that's the word of the Lord to you, right? The Lord bless you. God bless you. He's a good young man. Craig, remember that name. Now, keep an ear out for that name. Could be interesting could be interesting lady young lady over in the yeah yeah you would you be happy for me to pray for you yeah okay i'll come to you you no need to sometimes people get embarrassed oh goodness you picked them in that all right hello how are you it's good to be alive isn't it what's your first name eva Eva. what a great name 
Yeah, Eva? Yeah. I grew up in the Salvation Army and one of the favourite names from about the 1930s and the 1980s was Evangeline. Yeah, Eva. Yeah. So I'm familiar with that name. Yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless Eva. We place your favour on her, place your grace on her. We, we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus that you are equipping her and, and working within her to, to perform the things you want her to do. Lord, bless her and help her and keep her, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Now, here's what the Lord told me to tell you, Eva. You are a very smart person. You are a very smart person. And you have limitless ability, right? And the Lord said, you are not to trade that for anything. You push hard. Don't, don't stint. You, you are capable of awesome things and, and powerful things. You're using your mind, developing your understanding, your education, your qualifications, right? Because the Lord's going to position you to influence. And I, I don't know, what's your field? Do you have a field? Yeah. Well, all of that kind of thing is so important for where our country goes in the future. So the Lord says, work and use that which he's invested in you. You've got a great mind. You've got a great ability there. Push yourself even harder to actually do greater and greater things because I think the influence you can bring in Australia will be significant. I believe that's the word of the Lord for you. You know... Uh, one more before I uh, finish and pass on, and it's this young lady here at the front. What's your name? Angela. Angela. She's a young lady. Just Is she the wife of your Very youth, young. sir? Very young. Yes. Very young. Yes. You're a smart guy. Uh, there is a um, in every in every church. I think there are people who think deeply about things and sometimes it troubles them and uh, most of us are so shallow I don't mean that as a we, we, we just prefer to operate at a shallow level because that way you don't have any deep questions to answer uh, but this young lady Angela is a lady that dwells deeply on things and you don't notice if you ever look at her and think, I wonder what's wrong with her or why she troubled. It's because she's been wrestling with something. And you can thank God that she does. Because when she does this, she prays. God bless you, my dear. What a blessing you are to the body. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bless and honour our friend Angela. Amen? Amen? We thank you, Lord, because of the kind of woman she is. She's just, she's just great. We thank you for her, Lord. We bless you in the name of Jesus. We pray, O oh God, that you would encourage her and encourage in, in the inward places with a, with a sense of this is not a problem. This is who I am called to be. Jesus has called me into this. And I pray that she will be encouraged greatly and her insights and understandings will grow as a result. Bless her and help her, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Sweet lady, we honour you, all right? It's not, uh, we're not just talking you up for the sake of it. This is, as you grasp 
who you are in Christ on this question, you'll begin to intercede for people. You won't say a word to anyone. You'll just be interceding. And they'll get breakthrough. You'll be able to smile quietly to yourself, right? You won't be able to brag about it because it's Jesus who did it. So you'll be able to brag in the Lord, right? But you just won't be able to say, hey, that was me. But uh, the Lord bless you. She's, she's very nice, so you must be very blessed. Yeah, he is. He's very blessed. He's very good. God bless you. What's your first name? Paul. Paul. Great to meet you. God bless you. You're her guard, my friend. You stand at the front door with a cricket bat. <laughs> or a shovel. That would be fine. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for, for letting me do that. If you would like me to pray for you uh, afterwards, I'm happy to do that. I, I, I just want you to realise that 1 Corinthians 14.3 is one of the bedrocks or practical outcomes of a, of a, of a culture of honour because it says that prophecy is comfort, encouragement and exhortation. And 1 Corinthians 14.3 is one of those beautiful outcomes when you get the gift of prophecy operating in the church, which is when we speak by the Spirit of God, comfort, encouragement, and exhortation. So we'll talk more about that if Donnie ever invites me back again. The Lord be with you, and I hand back over to you, Donnie.